This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Prize Picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. How does it work? You pick two to six players, and if they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. Didn't get your picks in before the game started? No problem. You can get in the game for the second half. Sign up today using promo code FOOTBALL and get your first deposit instantly matched up to $100. Go to prizepicks.com or download the mobile app and enter code FOOTBALL to get your deposit match. Some restrictions do apply. See the website for details. Welcome back to the channel and welcome back to another edition of the Spurs Chat Podcast. Tottenham Hotspur 4, Leeds United 3. Wow, what a game. In today's edition, of course, we'll be talking about Tottenham's win at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Um, if you don't subscribe to the channel as yet, please do hit that subscribe button. And if you are listening to this on an audio platform, please do hit that follow button and leave a review if you can. Now, what a game. Uh, going into the World Cup, Tottenham Hotspur at the moment are third. Newcastle United are still playing their games. We may go down to fourth going into the World Cup. Spurs now have 29 points from 15 Premier League games. Nine wins, two draws and four defeats. Harry Kane, Ben Davis and Benton Kerr uh, with a brace on the score sheet today. Hunmin Son was back at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium today, supporting Spurs and celebrating with his teammates at the end. Now, today I've got three very special guests uh, with me to talk about the game. We've got actor Ricky Norwood back with us. Rick, how are you? Oh my gosh, mate. I'm all over the place. I, I am all over the place. I'm, I'm just, I'm so happy that we won and we got over the line and we got those three points because those three points are super important to everything that we're trying to achieve at, at, at Spurs. And, and if we didn't win today, I don't know how far we would have fell back or how far the gap would have been between us and the top. And mate, and after the, 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 the last couple of games, we we all needed that. We all needed that win. I mean, there's there's plenty of negatives in there for us to to kind of pick out and pick over. And and let me tell you, I wasn't happy for the majority of the game, but thank goodness for Mr. Bentoncourt because we all know that he is the reason, and he's the reason not only for Champions League but for the league. And he just keeps stepping up his game. And thank goodness for him, mate. And thank goodness for Kulazewski as well, because what a, we look like a different side with him in the side. So, you know, uh, there are some positives. There was a lot of negatives. Some of the negatives that we've, we've discussed over the first period of this season, and I know we'll get into it, but I'm just relieved, still a little bit angry, but ultimately happy that we did get those three points. And before we move on, I need to send a quick shout out to Dale, 
and to Rian. Uh, so Dale, just to let you, let you know, he's a roofer, and I've had some leaks during in, in the house during the during the, the hard rain there's been a couple of leaks in the house right so we've got a roofer in anyway he turns out he's tottenham not only is he tottenham but his son watches every single show that you put out chris and uh he loves it so uh he, he was proper tottenham we stopped talking about the roof and we started talking about tottenham for a little while but he said if he asked me, he requested that I give his son a little shout out, who's uh, who's an avid watcher and and a big big fan. So Rian, big up yourself. Come on, you Spurs. Yes, thank you so much for watching as well. I only asked how Ricky was, and he's and he's uh, covered the show already. Sorry, um, sorry, Rick. Rick, before we talk about the football, um, you're in Panto soon. Tell everyone where the, uh, where they can come and see you and the, the dates, etc. Yeah, so I'm in Panto, I'm in Aladdin. Um, it's going to be at the Princess Theatre in Torquay. So obviously, if you're in London, it is far. But if you're in Torquay and there's some Torquay Spurs or some Devon Spurs or those that are down that way, more than welcome to come down. Come, you, it's you Watford, Christmas trip. Um, so, so say it again, Rich. You're in Watford. You're in Watford. I'm not in Watford. As soon as I put a tweet out about, about the Panto, the, Paddy... Because Paddy is is just terrible, Pat, but I love you, Paddy. Paddy straight away was like, "Is it in Watford?" I was like, "Oh, come on, man! Like, leave me alone! Like, come on, no!" But it's not in Watford, thank goodness. It's in Torquay. So if you want to come down, we're doing the show from the 9th to the thirty first of December. Tickets you can get tickets at atgtickets.com. and uh, yeah, tickets start from like thirteen pounds. So. There's plenty, there's plenty in, in, in there for the whole family. So you're more than welcome. And we've also got Richard Whitehead, MBE, back with us. Of course, Paralympic gold medalist and fresh back from New York, having just completed another marathon. Rich, how are you? Yeah, a bit blocked, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it's awesome. Um, regarding Spurs, it's been flaky. It's been, like I said earlier, just before we came live on air, my mental health has been massively affected by Spurs recently. In the first half of every game has been crappy. Players just haven't been turning up. And I was thinking that I was going to have to come on again and another defeat. <laughs> Two in a row until today. So after the Arsenal game, that was it. I was done, man. I was done. But um, no, today was yeah, ups and downs. I think today's game summarised what Spurs are all about and where we need to improve. Yeah. Jesus Christ, we've got so many, so many problems. And as we always know, uh, that Spurs do play to the final whistle, especially this season. But um, yes, yeah, so many cracks in the uh, the woodwork for Spurs. And um, yeah, it's either going to be a busy January or Conte's going to be working with those players that aren't going to the World Cup, for sure. Well, let's hope it is a very busy January. We will come on to talk about the January window later on. Um, Tom Martin writes a comment now. Thank you, Juventus, for selling us your rejects, because <laughs> yeah. um, I, I think all of us would, would agree, since January, um, Benton Kerr and Kulisewski have been you know, our standout players, they perform week in, week out uh, when fit. And, of course, Benton Kerr got a brace today. Uh, fantastic from him. Um, 
Uh, author John Chambers will be joining us at some point. Um, he's on his way back from uh, the game at the moment. Um, he's just brought a new book out called Tottenham's Three Lions for Club and Country. It's a fantastic book. So we will talk a little bit more about that when he comes on. Um, Rick, let's come to you. Um, what did you make of today's game overall? Because um, I know we'll come on to the match incidents. Booing at half time. A lot of Spurs fans weren't happy again. Uh, Rich alluded to it about the first half performances. Um, it was just another typical Spurs display. And I think Rich is absolutely right. It, it, it kind of just sums up what Tottenham's season has been about. You know, those first half performances again, uh, we come back in that second half, we perform, we score goals, we end up winning. Are you happy right now? Um, like I say, I'm happy that we won, but I'm not happy. I'm not happy. And one of the reasons that I'm not happy is because, I mean, it's the same old story. We've done it all season. We've done it last season. Right wing back. Do you know what I mean? After Spence came on against Forrest on 60, 65 minutes in the cup during the week, you could see, you could see just in that cameo of time that he offered more defensively, he offered more offensively. He had pace, he had calm, he had a surety, he, he, he had composure. Do you know what I mean? All that for a young man. And to see Emerson Roll start today, straight away in my head was, uh, I was just like, oh, here we go. Do you know what I mean? And then even when we made the change, and I, I know, Chris, you, you, you was in the stadium, so you heard the reaction. You can speak about that yourself. But even when we made the change to Doherty, I was like, oh, my gosh, like, seriously? And brought on Sanchez at the same time. And then we conceded a goal at that point as well. I was just like, there's, I, 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 was, I, was, I was seething, mate, because I, I started to think that I... I Although I love Conte and trust him, it, this has got to be—it's got to be stubbornness, man. Because the amount of analysts and the amount of uh, sports science people and the amount of people that are analysing every single player and the, the amount they run, the cross, the everything, the way that they recover—there are so many people measuring these players that I can't believe that Royal ended up starting today. I mean, I know it's typical, and I know we all could have probably called it, but I was just like, after the cameo. Come on, come on. How bad can Spence be? Do you know what I mean? Like, how, it, it, you know, if he had more minutes to build on something, then then we could see a player there. We're not saying he's the answer, but we can. I, I can say, from my opinion, that he's at least a better option than the ones we have at right wing back. And, you know, so I'll, I'll receive him from the start, bro. And in those defensive frailties, again, I mean... I don't know what to say, bro. But the, the biggest thing that, well, one of the biggest positives that I, I, I can say is that the criticism that we've been getting recently, or the boys that have been getting recently, those that are thinking about the World Cup and maybe some of the performances recently have, have, have lacked the 100% commitment. And people have tried to kind of say it's because of the World Cup. But everybody on that field today, they put everything out there. I, I, I didn't see anybody really kind of holding back or, or yeah. thinking about the World Cup, you know? Everybody went for it. And we thought there was a desire there to get back into the game. There was a fight there to get back into the game. And then there was even that determination to go in there and get the winner as well. And thank goodness for he's the reason, mate. Thank goodness for he's the reason. Absolutely. Um, Rich, let's come to you. Robin writes now, um, that was on the edge. Why is he playing yeah. Emerson Royal out there? All of their success came down his side. Um, we'll talk about the starting lineup in a couple of minutes, but it is the same talking points every yeah, show. Sure. I sound like a broken record asking every single guest 
why is Emerson Royale in the team? And uh, Ricky rightly said um, about the instant when Doherty come on, um, it was probably the biggest cheer um, of the um, of the season so far at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium when he came off. Um, yeah, no. It can't be very nice for him, can it? And that, yeah, that doesn't that doesn't support the team at all, really. Uh, it's obviously a reaction from the fans, and I can understand that. But going back to the start of the game, I think we moved the ball far too slow, uh, sideless passing, um, just trying to kind of you know get to get to grips with the game instead of just going after it. It's Leeds United. We should have battered them really. Um, you look at the starting lineups. You could say we've got a good chance of beating these guys like three or four. I just I don't understand why the breaks are on so much in the first half. Um, and the wing-backs are part of that problem. Um, I think Jed Spence is going to get his chance, surely, or he's going to go out on loan. I think, I think yes, he's going to make mistakes as a young uh, wing-back, but not like the ones that Emerson Royale makes. Jesus Christ. It's, yeah, and game after game after game. And he might be putting in the work in the training, on the training pitch. But we're not seeing that yet. We're seeing the same kind of environmental mistake every game. And whether that's going forwards, not crossing the ball and doing like a step over and missing the chance across, or defensively just getting his feet tangled up. Um, but it's that back four or back five, when, when the two wing-backs come in, has looked quite fragile over the last couple of weeks. Um, Dyer, whether it's Longley, whether it's Sanchez, it doesn't seem to be a leader there. Where's the leadership? I think Lloris has even started to have a couple of mistakes come into his game because of it as well. And I think that's what's that's that's come out of our game, the confidence that we have on the ball. And I don't know whether it's pressure, I don't know whether it's the World Cup, but what I definitely know is that a lot of players are playing a lot of minutes and because of that, their performance level has dipped, especially at the back. It's like gone. It was on the rise. We were kind of picking up some, some results against, yes, lower league teams. But recently, performance levels, energy levels have massively dipped. First half, very poor. Second half, even today, I think the second half wasn't great. We won. It wasn't great. And um, we got out of jail today, for sure. Bridge, with Emerson Royale, do you think that Antonio Conte sees him as a better defender? I know he really struggles to crop the ball uh, and attack, uh, which I think it would be fair to say Doherty is a lot better in that department than Emerson. Um, I can't really say that about Jed Spence yet because we haven't seen enough of him in a Tottenham Hotspur shirt. Um, but defensively, is he is is he the best right wing back we have defensively? I think position wise, I think he sees him better in those defensive positions and more uh, reliable in those uh, in those shapes in defence. Um, and doesn't think that Jed Spence will stay defensive and he'll overcommit going forwards. And that's something that I think Conte is going to have to play him and have to see how he actually does play in those positions. Uh, Doherty and um, Emerson Royale are much of a muchness. I think they're, they're definitely not, like I said from the start of the season, they're not top four wing-backs. They're not top four players at all, in my mind. I need to be careful because I'm I'm going into this this, <laughs> this first training ground on the first of December to do some work with the uh, the England ladies. So hopefully I don't bump into the two guys. But <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think 
I think both of them just aren't good enough for top four. That's my honest, honest opinion. You, you know Rick, what, let's... Chris? Sorry, brother. Yeah. I wanted to ask a richer question, actually, because you are the marathon man, Rich. Can you explain fatigue? Can you explain how fatigue can affect you mentally, uh, physically, how yeah, it can affect you, you well. know? And, and then going into maybe a race for yourself or into yeah. doing something physical when, when you yeah. do have fatigue. Rich, yeah, before, so, before you answer that, is, is there any chance you could change your microphone setting? A, a, a couple of people are saying you're a bit quiet. Okay, I'm doing it now. Is that good? I can hear you, uh, okay. It's, it's good. good for me. Is that good? Yeah, that's, that's, turned much it down that. that's much better. Let's set that whitehead's on uh, tonight. Let's turn the microphone down. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, oh, fatigue. Well, well someone, someone said we know he's ranting, but we can't hear it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, going back to your question, Ricky, for, fatigue. I think for me, mental fatigue is really important, especially within in the game of football, because it's a, about decision making and poor decision making. And even towards the end of the game today, it's like we were playing against 10 men for the last five minutes. And the crowd were cheering when we just belted the ball at the other end of the field. And I'm going, we've got 11 men against 10. Why are we not keeping the ball? And that's where that fatigue is really coming into the players. The players are uh, having to get up for a game every three or four uh, four days. So mentally, having to use a lot of energy, mental energy as well as physical energy, all the time. So recovery days are limited. So, for instance, if, if I was to do a marathon like I did in, in New York, I'd have recovery days now before I step uh, foot back on the road to be able to start training for my next race. The same as the players. They would have a recovery day after match day and then they start getting back into training, into recovery strategies and then tactics moving forward to the next game. And the problem is it's like game after game after game and I don't think Conte is able to change anything from game to game. So what we're seeing is we're seeing mistakes that happen game after game after game because he's not able to address those individually and as a team. And because of that, our performance levels generally are dipping, mental fatigue's uh, coming in. So naturally, the whole performance of the team is being affected. And you can see it with like, Harry Kane. I, I, I watched him quite a lot today. Um, and yes, he, he's putting in the same kind of effort but things just aren't coming off like they were the first three or four games of the season because he just is he's having to switch on so much in every game that his energy levels and the fatigue levels are rising. His energy levels are dipping, sorry, and his fatigue levels are rising. And and does that increase any panic or or anxiety? Do you For know sure. what I mean? It, okay, For sure. Yeah. For sure, because because your um the decisions you're making are less rational. And they're less like the decisions you make in training because every, like muscle fatigue, you've got muscle fatigue on top of mental fatigue and you just feel heavy. It's like, it's like, it's like a, you're going to work, you have a long day, long day at work and you finish your work and you just go. <gasps> and that's what they feel after the final whistle because they're so knackered. And even the guys who are coming off today, they didn't even want to celebrate really. They just want to get off the pitch and get into the showers. Mm. Yeah, it's little, funny actually. Hey. <laughs> Say hello. <laughs> the, the, the Forest game on Wednesday and today, I felt that 
Um, you know, I watch Antonio Conte a lot um, because I think he's very, very entertaining on the touchline. And uh, I just felt that on Wednesday and today, he was a lot more quieter than normal. He looked very, very frustrated, particularly when we were 3-2 down. Um, arms crossed, um, hands in pockets at times, um, head in hands at times as well, thinking, what on earth am I watching? Uh, he must be very frustrated and mentally drained as well. So um, I think this break has come at a good point for yeah, us. For sure. because... He's the conductor, right? He's he's controlling from the side of the pitch. He's As well as having that key quarterback that's on the pitch, like Kane, that's conducting the play, yeah. obviously having Conte is so important for the team, getting those messages across. And today, yeah. I think he just ran out of ideas. Yeah. Out, there's the one point when I was like going, come on, get some instructions onto the pitch. It wasn't coming. And luckily, we've got the quality on the bench to come on and make those changes. I think when we did make those changes in the game, it lost a bit of momentum. But oh yeah, Benzim, obviously, with his brace, kind of changed everything. Rick, let's come to you. Let's talk about the uh, the starting eleven today. Um, Antonio Conte chose Hugo Lloris in goal. The wing-backs of Emerson, Royale and Perisic. Uh, the back three of Dyer, Lengley and Davis. In midfield, Benton, Kurt and Hoybier. And then the front three of Kulisewski, Richarlison and Harry Kane. Um, but just before we talk about the uh, starting eleven, I just want to show you this clip um, of Hunmin Son walking in. The reason why I've just shown that clip is I think it's fantastic because when the players walked out uh, to play the game, um, he was right behind the team. Uh, he sat on the bench. Uh, he celebrated with uh, all of his teammates after the match, which I thought was fantastic. Lovely to see Sonny back, isn't it, Rick? Oh, I mean, we all love Sonny. We all love Sonny. And you know what? When we saw him go down against Marseille, <clears throat> I, feared, I feared the worst for him. Do you know what I mean? I feared the worst for him and for us and for the World Cup, for him and the country. And uh, to see him back at the lane, smiling, looking good, hair was good, glasses were on point. I, I, I even liked the Cardi. It was a bit Burberry too fluffy. Cardi, yeah. It, it was <laughs> a bit too fluffy, but, but I thought it looked great on him. The amount of people who have said, what on earth is he wearing? It's Burberry. That's who he's sponsored by. <laughs> Love that. Love I thought, that I thought you showed that clip because you wanted a bit of a, like, a... a... A collaboration, Chris. <laughs> Absolutely. I love Sonny. He's my favourite player. My favourite player. Um, Rick, let's come back to uh, talking about the starting eleven. Um, any surprises there for you? Or is that what you expected? I mean, uh, it, 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 it's, it's a surprise that it wasn't a surprise, if that makes any sense. Um, you know, I really did, was really hoping that even if it was just for the fans, that Conte would chuck in Spence just because... I, the thing is, is that we can all see it. So I don't understand how he can't see it or any of those analysts that sit behind him or at the training ground that do the video analysis. I don't know how any of them cannot kind of be saying the same thing. Like, give him a shot, give him a couple of games, give him a run, let him get some rhythm. Let him see if he can fulfil the tactics that you're asking him to fulfil in training on the pitch in a real game. Why not? I don't understand why he didn't start against Forrest during the week. Um, he, he would have provided energy, a bit of danger and a bit of an unknown quantity. Whereas 
right now, the known quantity is if you attack down the right side, our right side, if you attack Royal, you're probably going to get through. Do you know what I mean? If you attack us in the first half, you're more than likely going to get a shot, stroke, get a goal in the first half. And if you attack and exploit that right-hand side, that's probably going to be the avenue that it comes down. So after all that, which it did, do you know what I mean? And after all that, to, to see him start, and, I, and look, the thing is, is that I've backed him. I've wanted him to work. Uh, I, I appreciate the work that he's put in. I remember that he spent a million pounds on trying to transform himself into Hakimi from PSG. And like More I said, like then, Zucchini, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> but even then, like, I, I remember when I heard it, I was like, I hope he kept his receipts. Do you know what I mean? Because <laughs> my gosh, my gosh. But look, man, it's like, there's a lot of things that have got to change with that starting lineup coming up to uh, January in the January transfer window. It was, a, it was, I can't even say it was the best that we could put out, but it, it was the most likely that we can put out. We can see that we're shifting Dyer over so that Sanchez doesn't play and that we kind of restructure the, the, the back three. Do you know what I mean? But that, that could cause confusion as well. On top of the fatigue factor, with a panic and anxiety, if you've got new partners in there, left, right, and center, and everybody's panicking, then that's not gonna. That's not a solid back three, is it? I mean, look how that back three was. Look how Dyer was. And Ali Gold mentioned this in his latest video. He's like, ever since Dyer got the call up for England, his form has just dropped. Think about how solid he was. Think about how much of a leader he was. Think about how many Tottenham fans and fans across the league, and we all know that we haven't got too many friendly fans, opposition fans that that enjoy or like Tottenham. We know that, but everybody was calling for Dyer to be in that England squad ahead of Maguire, and, uh, just because of, of his form and just because of his form and his leadership within the back three. But ever since he got that call up, it has dropped. And, and maybe that's the run of games. Maybe that's the fatigue. Maybe that's the always being switched on thing. But, you know, it, they, 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 it was just... It, there's, it was just tough. Like you just said there, not only for us as a panel, but for those boys, they all need a break. You know what I mean? I know a lot of them are going to the World Cup. Majority of them in that starting 11 are going to the World Cup. But uh, they all need, we all need a break and so that we can reassess uh, and kind of get back to the fundamentals of what this Tottenham side's about. We haven't seen this Tottenham side click the whole season. With, with, with one... And we've had a couple of good performances, but we haven't seen them click. We haven't got out of second gear. We've just about pushed into second at times. But then we get back into first and we play that negative football and all of this first half for lava. So it, it, it's, the break has definitely come at the right time. And, and fingers crossed that starting eleven can start to change come January. Something to think about, Rick. I'm going to ask you the question at the end of the show, um, your highlight of the season. So it may take... Okay. Uh, a good hour to think about that. Um, <laughs> Rich, let's come to you. Um, now, when you look at that starting 11 today, um, the midfield doesn't look a problem. The uh, the forward line doesn't look a problem. Defensively, and I know we will talk about the January transfer window at the end of the show, um, but defensively, how would you describe our defensive display today and in the last few games? Because we do seem to be shipping an awful lot of goals lately. Yeah, terrible. Go back to what I said before about leadership. Um, don't seem to have any leaders in that back four. Don't want. Don't seem to be wanting to take the ball out of defence. It's more for those long balls. Um, 
or those lateral balls that just what I want to be seeing is the ball pinging from left to right and like not having a lot of time on the ball, but having those kind of real kind of great movement from left to right and kind of those nice triangles that we that we had at the start of the season. They've just gone out of the game completely. Um, and that's confidence. Might Again, might be fatigue. But I think it's about real leaders in the team. People saying, I've got the ball now. This is what I'm going to do with it. I'm confident with you taking the ball off me, doing something else positive and break those lines moving forwards. Defensively, we are poor. We are like mid-table poor. Um, and yes, we've had injuries, but so have a lot of other teams with um, with the games that have, that have come up. And we've had to um, cope with Champions League football on a Wednesday as well, as uh, as well as playing at the weekends. And that's going to have an effect, especially on those players that are, are injury-prone or injury-prone through uh, having... 20, 30 plus games and then normally pick up injuries. We, we've uh, had some some players that we've actually missed out because of that. Um, wing-backs, yes, are an issue. Uh, and I would say uh, definitely on that right-hand side. But we also need to look at that centre-back, those centre-back positions and whether that's one or two centre-backs to come in. Hopefully Sanchez has a great World Cup. Somebody buys him and then we replace him with somebody else because there's, there's going to be a time where we kind of actually go, if our expectations are going to be top three every season, here's somebody like him coming into the team going to make us better or be a great uh, substitute for one of the starters. If the answer is no, then we need to get start to just kind of move those uh, players on. Obviously, Lee is buzzing. He's always buzzing after a win. He doesn't care how we win as long as we win. I know what Lee's like. Uh, I, I, bet, I bet he's in an Uber taxi on the way back from some seedy <laughs> pub somewhere. You know, it's the way, the way that we all get to and from games. I tell you, the things we do to support Spurs <laughs> and uh, watch them uh, home and away. Um, Rich, we've um, we've had defensive line. Um, Langley's come in, obviously for Romero. It's been very yeah. disappointing that we haven't seen Romero in the last few games. We have yeah. missed him, haven't we? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, his bite at the back, his uh, his determination to win the ball. Um, I think when you've got somebody like him in your starting eleven, it shows real commitment to how you play. Um, and he's a player as well that after an injury, it takes him a bit of time to come back from that. I, I noticed that he had a couple of games out, then came back in and it was like, we're not kind of getting the same Romero back. And that's because of the energy and the intensity levels that he does play at are so high. Uh, something like him, you're always going to miss. Um, obviously, touted as probably one of the best three centre-backs in the league um, and somebody that is reliable at the back. Like He's, he's always making those right decisions in the box, uh, which some of our other centre-backs and wing-backs don't make. Um, without him, very vulnerable. Um, um, even the decisions we make in that line of three, I've noticed over the last couple of games, just people just not actually like communicating across that line. And whether that's a language barrier, whether that's just a training kind of, um, they're not actually training enough to actually have that confidence to be kind of pushing up as a three. But Romero is somebody that kind of forces the back three up with Dyer. But we might need one or two centre-backs in January. I just feel that we get a very different Eric Dyer when Romero isn't playing. And sure. uh, I, 
I, I get every Spurs fan's uh, frustration uh, when, of course, Romero is missing when it's always surrounding international duty. Um, Rick, let's come to you. Um, of course, Clement Lengley has been deputising for Romero when he's not been there. What have you made of Clement Lengley in a Spurs shirt? And if it came to it at the end of the season, would you like to see Spurs sign him on a permanent deal from what you've seen so far? So you see, I see a, cal- a calmness with Lingley. I see a definitely um, he has great <clears throat> passing distribution. Um, but I think with him, the the more he plays, and the more he plays within a solid back three, and what I mean by that is with 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 Dyer and Romero, I think we we will see a better a better and a better version of Longley as well. I think, like I was saying earlier, where there is anxiety and and panic happening in that back line, where he's the new one, it's hard to judge. It's hard to judge right now. Um, But what I have seen is that the more games he has, the the more comfortable he looks, and and especially on the ball and, and moving that ball forward. Would I sign him at the end of the season? It really does depend on what else we're going for. So, you know, if we're going for a Bastoni or if we're going for, I don't know, you know, if we're going for a big boy, basically, uh, you know, a Guardiola or something, if we're going for a big boy, then I, I that's who I want because that's the level that I think that we need in the squad to step us up, to, 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 to get us up, up, up in the leagues and up in the uh, kind of the, the thought of Tottenham. When people think of Tottenham, if they can see someone like, for instance, Bastoni and Romero and, let's say, Dyer um, in that back three, I think that's going to worry a couple, you know, it's going to worry a couple of sides. So I would take that, but I think he's been pretty okay, pretty good. He hasn't been shocking. I don't think he's been terrible. I don't think he has been... I, I think there's plenty worse in, in, yeah. in that... It's more versatile, I think, isn't it? It's more versatile for the team, I think. Yeah, he is. And and I prefer seeing him than Sanchez as well. And look, Sanchez, he, he you know, he was a record signing, I don't know how many years ago. He had one, two good seasons with Toby and Jan. And in the time that he was supposed to step up, he didn't really step up. And then he's been bumpy the whole way. And I think that he's got to the end of the line now. I think that he, he like plenty of other Spurs players that we've sold, he, he, we could probably sell him and he could go on to be one of the greats in Spain or something like that. Do you know what I mean? As, or, or even Italy, you know. But I think just, I, I think this journey is almost done for him at Tottenham. I think he's done being in, in, in the B side. I think he's done being back up. You know, it's clear that Conte doesn't trust him because he would be the natural one that you put in. You wouldn't, you wouldn't play, you, you'd keep Dyer in his position and you'd put Sanchez to the right-hand side and then you'd play Davies or Lengley on, on the left-hand side. But, but, you know, he Conte clearly can't trust Sanchez as much as the rest of them. So that's why he's shifting that back three around. So I, I definitely think it's, it's time for him to go. And I think I've seen worse performances from him I haven't seen that in Longley at all. I, I, um, like I say, I see a calmness, I see an assuredness, um, and I see him growing game to game. And I think that if that back line was a little... Add Dyer as a leader, that leader that we had at the start of the season, those first eight, nine games, I, I, I think that we would see the best of Longley because then Longley could feel free and trust Dyer to deal with what's happening at the back 
and him to push forward and get more of those crosses in, get more of those balls in, break the lines a bit more, create a bit more chaos. You know, and especially if we had Romero on the other side who does exactly the same on the right-hand side, that, that could create chaos in itself, in the attacking front. Rich, it's fair to say that Spurs look like a completely different side when Dian Kulusevski is in the starting eleven. It is great to have him back, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. Um, offers lots of different um, options um, going forwards, obviously. Um, his pace running with the ball, strength on the ball, uh, willingness to have the ball in tight situations. Uh, is not scared of failure. Uh, within those attacking areas, um, always looking calm and collected in the penalty box. Um, he's come in and kind of revolutionised that position for us, to be honest. Um, and he's somebody that can play in a variety of different positions, obviously. But I think, obviously, his better position on having an impact on a team in an Antonio Conte uh, team is where he is now. Uh, it's kind of driving forwards, bringing that ball back towards uh, a Kane, a Son, a Richarlison, and also not being scared of putting it in the back of the net as well. He's a great addition to the team. I think he um, can still improve in other areas, um, especially defensively. But um, he looks, yeah, looks fantastic. Um, and what what a player! What a player! How did we? How did we? How did we pick him up? I know other other teams were looking at at him, uh, but that is a great find. And um, came in the team, performance levels massively improved. Uh, obviously, in that area, far better than obviously Lucas. Uh, more consistent, stronger. I think Lucas is 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 okay on the ball. Spends too much time on it sometimes. Doesn't make the right decision. Where Kulisewski's stronger, wings back the ball. Also, is always looking for the back of the net or one of his forward players. Another player that I'd like to talk about, and he was my man of the match today, Rodrigo Bentoncourt. Um, Rick, do you think that we've ever had such a good January transfer window in Premier League history? Because you remember, um, you know, I interviewed various journalists asking their opinion on Kulusevski and Bentoncourt. And they actually come out and said they're no better than Harry Winks. Uh, they're awful players. Uh, they can't string a pass together. They can't do this. They can't do that. My face was an absolute picture. I looked devastated. A number of Spurs fans at the time on the 31st of January uh, were very angry, stating we've just signed two Juventus rejects. You know, it's fair to say that they transformed the season last season. We got Champions League probably because of those additions. Now, this is why, and I know we will talk about the January window later on in the show, but this is why that this upcoming window is so important because you've got to have players walking straight into that team. Now, these two have transformed this Spurs team, haven't they? Yeah, they have. And it's the first time in a long time that we've had two players that, like you just said there, that can come in straight away to the first team. Like, we haven't had that. It's normally, uh, okay, let's bed them in, or they're one for the future, or, you know, uh, the, 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 the players that we've got on the field already, they're trusted more. But these two, they came in at a time where we was a bit empty in midfield and a bit empty up front. And both of those guys totally transformed this side. And like you just said there, that's why it's even more important that this January, the fact that we've gone in, right now we're third, 29 points, right? Who knows what Newcastle are going to do? But the fact that we've gone in third, 
qualify for the Champions League knockout stages puts us in a fantastic position. And it's all about how we build on that, but we build on it within the first team. We can't get another 19-year-old that, that, you know, Conte doesn't want to play. We were, we were linked with Marcus Edwards. I would love Edwards to come back, but do I think he's going to play? I don't think he's going to play. And the reason I don't think he's going to play is because of the evidence of Jed Spence and, and Brian Hill. Now, we know Brian yeah. Hill is, is roughly the same stature as him. I, from from what, watching Marcus Edwards, it looks like it's hard to push him off the ball, uh, you know, where it's a little bit easier to push Brian Hill off the ball. But if we're going to sign him, is he going to play? Is he going to walk into that first 11? Is he going to challenge some people in that first 11? I don't know. I would love him there, but I don't know. But it's really important that we actually kind of go to work in the areas that we really need work in. Now, we knew from last season that Doherty and Emerson Roll was a problem. You know, Emerson Roll was a new boy, so it's all right, cool, let's, let's give him a moment, let's give him a chance, let him learn the language, let him learn the ways, the tactics and everything else. But we've literally seen nothing. He goes up, he, go, he, he makes great runs, he gets in great positions, but the crosses, I don't know where they go. The shots go over the bar and into Rose Z. You know, every time he gets up there and he can, he can actually burst to the line and put a cross in, hopefully within the box area, he stops, turns around, passes it backwards, which loses all the momentum. It loses all the threat, all the fight, all the flight, everything. It loses everything. It loses everything that we just tried to build. The opposition tend to pull back and then they get back into defensive positions where they can defend whatever else comes in. And then, you know, all of our front line are in front of their defence where before we had a moment, there were some gaps, there were some spaces to play in. But Emerson, whether it's... And that's why it's like when you're talking about is he the better defender? He's not. Because reason being is that he is the one that gets attacked down that side. Everybody, every side knows if you attack it's, him... It, it's not it, what it, I think, Rick. It, it's just adding a, a little bit of balance. It's not what I think, by the way. No, 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 I get it. I get it, bro. But it's like, he, even the opposition, the opposition don't mind him having the ball. I think that should say a lot. Forget what we're saying right now. If the yeah. opposition are like, Emerson Rolls got the ball, don't worry, lads. I think that says more than anything we can say right here. So we've known for a long time that that right wing back, being a wing back system, knowing how much those wing backs are important to the system of Conte and the way that we play or want to play, I'm really surprised that we, we didn't really address a first teamer in that position. All right, yeah. didn't happen, but it has to happen now. You know, I've been calling for... Uh, Denzel Dumfries for ages, Chris. You can be my witness, bro. I've called before he even went to Inter. I was like, we can get him for 13 mil. Go get him. Go do it. You know, even after the Euros, you could have seen he was a better wing back than what we had or, or what we was after. So, you know, when I heard that rumour during the week that we, we might be looking at him, I, I, I need us to go look at him properly. Now we're going to have to pay triple than we would have done. But Go get the, the number one target. Go get the man that's going to transform this side and, and put us on the front foot, you know, and, and, and give that opposition something to worry about. They won't, if we got, if we got Dun, uh, uh, Dumfries, the opposition would not want him to have the ball, let me tell you that much. It would panic them. Then, then they don't know what to do. Then we do have a threat from all over the pitch, you know? So... Yeah, man. Um, it, it's really important that we go into January and we go get two or three that can improve this first 11 and players that Conte trusts to play. 
because it's clear that there's a lot he doesn't trust. I know we're all itching to go on uh, to talk about the transfer window. We will come on to it. I'm sorry. No, that's fine. Um, I'm itching to get onto it as well, Rick. Um, now, Rich, let's come to you. Um, in the ninth minute, a ball was played in uh, by Eric Dyer. Who it was a little bit frustrating for me because he had a lot of space. He crossed it, um, but there was no one there. Just a minute later, Leeds United took the lead one nil uh, through Somerville. It just seemed so easy for Leeds. A ball in between Eric Dyer and Emerson, um, who yeah. a lot of uh, the viewers so too much space. Bit. That, that it come yeah. from Emerson's side again. Um, it seems so easy, didn't it, conceding that goal? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it just like the majors look so ordinary in in, in those positions. Um, I felt the defence were just not switched on and haven't been in the first half of the games. It just feels that snaps like really gone out of like the play, maybe because of the people that we've got at the back. But also, I just think Leeds were. Leeds had more to fight for in that first half and were just at the ball a lot, a lot quicker than us. And then when you see that going, you go, it's going to be a long game today. Um, come on, guys. Just like, come on, be on, the, be on the front foot more. Kind of want the ball. Those silly mistakes as well. We've had those silly mistakes over the last four weeks. The, the Forest game, the Arsenal game, blah, blah, Liverpool game. One after another after another. And Leeds just wanted it more than us. Um, I, I still think that obviously fans getting on players' backs doesn't help. Doesn't if you're wanting a player to uh, have a great game, if you jump on a, a player's back, that's not going to help them at all. Um, the managers need to stay take a little bit more responsibility for picking the players that are on the pitch. The players can only do as much as they can, and if they're playing poorly, then they need to be removed or not actually started. It's not Emerson's fault that that he is in a in this bad bad wave of of a run because obviously when he was bought in there was something they they saw in him to invest that kind of money was it eighteen million uh, is, for me is just is it bad form rich or is it yeah. that he's just he's just not up to it well well obviously Conte's picking him thinking that he's obviously the best option in that area he wouldn't be picking him if he didn't believe that he's the best option in that area. Uh, for me, he's not good enough. Like I've, I've said time and time again, like your mate Doherty, he's not good enough either. Uh, <laughs> uh, you got your shirt on today, have you, Chris? You got your shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look. By the way, anybody that's got free shirts, Chris loves a free shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas is only, coming up. So any free only shirts? If you can cross the ball. Only if you can cross <laughs> the ball. Yeah, I mean, but, but but no. I, 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 going back to that question, I think. Um, Conte picks the team, he sets up the team, um, and so if continually putting Emerson in those positions, then he needs to take a little bit of responsibility for that as well. And um, he isn't good enough, uh, at, like Ricky said, at the attacking side of his game, very slow at making those decisions to get the ball in. I think when he's instinctive, things happen better. When he's got options, no chance. If he's got two or three passes on, he always takes the wrong one. So for me, uh, yeah, sell him in January. Not loan him, sell him. You, you you know what you just said there, Rich? As in, like the crowd, the crowd booing him and Conte having to take some responsibility. I think that's why the crowd are booing, and I think that's why they're having that reaction because it's the only opportunity they've got to to kind of 
show their frustration at him being picked again and getting the same performances, the same responses from him, the same the, the same rubbish passes, the same, you know, the, the opposition attacking on that same side. So I think it's, it's a frustration. Listen, none of us, I don't believe any Tottenham fan wants to slag off any player that has a cockerel on his chest. None, none of us want to do it. But yeah. we, have, we have to say what we see, a bit like catchphrase. And, and if he's not doing it, then he, and we've given him time and patience. Do you know what I mean? If he's not doing it, then the crowd, it, 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 I, 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 it's not nice. It's not going to pick him up. It's not going to get him to play any better. But it, it does show um, a frustration from the fans to Conte and the board that this is not the guy. Yeah, and, that's, but off, and that's where you come in there, where you're saying that Conte needs to half, take some responsibility. But half-time, man, it's like, if, if, you're, if you're nailing a player at half-time or, or booing him for coming off, it just, it, when, next time he plays, <laughs> he's going to have to fix up or, do you know what I mean? It's just like confidence. We talk about confidence in, in a team. When you're confident, you naturally, your your form raises. If if sixty thousand fans are like clapping because you've had a shit game and you come up come off, then you ain't feeling that good about yourself, are you? And that's a no. problem. And that's a problem. But I, I but it's it, for me again. It's Conte needs to manage that situation. If he's having a shocker, then he, yes, he naturally needs to come off. But it needs to be a process of like reintegrating him in back into the team, not just throwing him back in the next week and having another crap game. Yeah. Well, um, Antonio Conte has just come out and said a big, big effort. He's very happy with the three points. Now, I'm going to tread very carefully on what I say about Emerson Royale now, um, because in the 13th minute, Kulisewski, uh, a good run from him, pulled it back to Emerson. He shot straight at Melier, uh, who made a save, but then went out for a corner. And then five minutes later, what a chance from Emerson Royale. Great work from Ben Davis. Pulled it back to Emerson Royale. He skied it. I cannot believe, could not believe at the time that he did not put that on target. Um, I actually um, jumped up out of my seat um, expecting him uh, to score and it to go in the back of the net. And uh, this lady then looked at me as if to say, how on earth did that not go in? And I pointed at her and said, you would have scored that. And she said, yes, I would. She said, yes, I would have scored it. Um, do, 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 do you know what, mate? That 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 ball went in the same car park as the one that, that we went over at the Forest game. That's how bad it was. I'm like, I'm, I'm just so glad, Rich. That I parked about a mile or two away from the car park. So I didn't want my car hit again. <laughs> Um, all, joking, all, all joking aside, um, who wants to take this? Um, all, all joking aside, that has got to be hit in the back of the net. That has got to be on target, hasn't it? Rick? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll take it. Yeah, Listen, of course it has to. <laughs> of course it has to. And this is what we're saying, bro. Like, I, I, I honestly believe if Spence was on there, it's at least getting on target. Do you know what I mean? Did you see the crackers that he scored last year? Not just inside the box, but I'm talking outside the box. Just the way he, like, uh, striked the ball uh, last season. I'm just like, just give him a go. Give him a chance. And that's and that's going to encourage the fans to, to boo and to jeer. And because you're like, we can't just, we can't be, be served up the same old rubbish time and time and again, you know. And yeah, it, I, I don't know how it didn't, but as soon as it flew off, into Rosehead and going towards your car, Chris, 
I literally, I was sitting there with my head in my hands being like, seriously, I Mate, can't even believe he's playing. Mate, there's somebody on that Skywalk and they caught it, I tell you. <laughs> Mate, I tell you, that's terrible. But again, going back to my point, he had too much time, too many options. He was thinking, I'm telling you, he was thinking, who do I pass this ball to? Can they shoot? Because I don't want to. That's what he was thinking. And then, mate, unbelievable. What Listen, a miss. I, I, I Beautiful. Mean, I, I, I don't even think he could, he, he could, you know, cross in a Norton Crosses game. Like, honestly, I don't know. There ain't enough. I can't no more. I've tried to back him. And he's still young. And there's still a lot more to come from him, I'm sure. But it, I'm, I'm, I'm over and out. And I'm done with him and Doherty. He's probably right still now, in that you know cryo I mean? chamber. That's what it is. He's still <laughs> in that cryo chamber. If he forgot to come out. That's it. And it, that's it. It's too cold. That's what it is. He needs to spend more time in Brazil. Warm environments, not cold. Too cold, man. Too cold. Get yourself warm. Get yourself ready. Do you know what, though? Um, I just feel gutted. I, I felt gutted at the time for Emerson Royale because you just wanted that to go in. Um, just to say to the fans, look, I've scored. Um, I'm trying my best. Um, because he did get a lot of stick today. He's had a lot yeah, of stick over the past cool, few man. weeks. You know, the Spurs yeah. away end, um, you know, sung a song about him um, at the Bournemouth game, which wasn't very nice either. Um, but yeah, like you it. said uh, earlier on, Ricky, that we want it to happen for all of the Spurs players and we don't want to be dissing any of them. Um, but it, it just underlines to me again where we have a, a real uh, weakness on that right-hand side. And, you know, for me, if you put in two really decent, fast wing-backs into this system and into this starting eleven, it would transform this team. But that's my opinion. Um, yeah, Rich, let's go yeah. to you. In the 20th minute, um, Somerville was through on goal. Again, a good save from Hugo Lloris. Um, Leeds then hit the post, but it was offside. Um, they look... Quite threatening. They're, they're a good attacking side leads, aren't they? For sure. Um, very dynamic. Um, obviously, the manager has tried to change the Bells way of playing and more more kind of moving that ball around, getting those attacking players into, into space just in front of the uh, back three and getting them on the turn and getting them moving. They had so much ball in those attacking uh, in the, in that attacking third, and that's why they created those those opportunities. And we were just far too static. You look at the players, static, static, static all the time. Need to be kind of pressing the ball. Need to be moving forwards. Need to be kind of catching those players offside. But Leeds looked like they they were better than their lead position for sure. Um, yeah. Their issue, their major issue for me, is that they've got not got the experience. <sighs> Um, of Premier League football. Um, I think there's a lot of players in there that just last 20 minutes, they kind of just switched off and then we just dominated. But for me, it was, um, yeah, Leeds, Leeds, were, Leeds were the team in the top three in the first half and we were fighting relegation. Yeah, well, they definitely came into this game with confidence, having uh, won against Liverpool at Anfield uh, and, of course, beating Bournemouth in the dramatic way that they did at home at Ellen Road last week. Um, Rick, let's come to you. Um, in the 26th minute, um, Harry Kane equalised for Tottenham. Uh, a corner flicked on. Harry Kane brought it down, then shot in to the back of the net. Great finish from Kane, and he is now um, even closer to Jimmy Greaves' record. Oh, bro. I mean, it, I think it was fantastic for Kane as well. You know, he, he did look tired against Forrest. So for him to come in, put his all in again, 
and uh, score a great goal. I thought they was going to take it off of him because they were saying there was a foul in the box with Lengley and the keeper. But yeah. um, I'm, I'm glad that it was ruled in and not ruled out. And for, for, for Harry this season, you know, he, he has played every game and, you know, his he's Premier League goals are up there. And um, I, I'm just really happy that he, he put in a proper shift today and kind of got that goal to reward us all and, and to, to, to kind of send us all, all home with a bit of a smile on our face, going into the Christmas period, going into the World Cup and then giving us a good feeling to kind of come back in January with, uh, with him hopefully fit and firing from the start. So, um, yeah, now I'm super pleased for Harry. And you can he see looked tired though, didn't he? He looked tired he, though. He, 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 honestly, he's Mate, for he me. Tired, he's, he's he's looked tired for me since Marseille. Uh, yeah. That Marseille away game, he's he's looked tired for me. And I've seen him like take short breaks. So you see him like slowing down and almost walking or little jogs here and there. And he wasn't really bursting as much as he normally does. And um, yeah, so I think he's been tired for a while, but he's going to be. I mean, we we discussed that fatigue thing earlier, and it's only he's his leadership and, and his mindset and his drive that has got him, got him through and, and his commitment to Tottenham that has got him through. And, um, yeah, so I'm really happy that he got to sign off today with, with, with a lovely goal. Do you worry about his fitness, Rick, um, now going to the World Cup? Because, of course, you know, going to the World Cup, captain of England, there is going to be so much expectation from everybody here. Uh, that England have got to do well in this competition. And now Harry Kane is going to be training um, out in Qatar, um, you know, day in, day out, playing game after game. Are you worried about um, his fitness levels? Yeah, I'm worried about him. And I'm worried about every single other Tottenham, Tottenham player at the World Cup because of the short turnaround as well. You know, as soon, soon as they come back, it's basically game straight away. And... It's a really weird season. We're never going to have a season like it because, fingers crossed, the World Cup never happens at Christmas again. Um, but um, it's a really weird season. You know, we've run him into the ground. And like you said, he's England captain, so he's going to be playing every game as well. But what I heard from Southgate the other day was that some that have been playing relentlessly, the best thing for them is to have some rest before they start training with the, with the England team. But Harry being Harry and Harry having the armband, you, you, I don't see him resting too much. Do you know what I mean? I just see his pride and his and his yeah. kind of his desire to play and be the best. I see him out out there doing it, and so yeah, of course I'm worried. I'm worried about him. I'm worried about the lot of them. I'm worried about Sonny, uh, Richie. You know, the lot of them. The lot of them that are out there. It's going to be tough, and I just fingers crossed that they come back all in one piece. And, you know, and that's another thing that we're going to have to manage come uh, the second half of the season. We're going to have to manage those players that went out there and, and put everything out in the World Cup, you know. And even, you know, we, we speak about January and we will go into January, but some of the players that we're probably after are going to be playing at the World Cup and are going to be in other leagues that have had the same amount of games. And so, so we're going to have this problem anyway. So it's about, yeah. you know, having a squad that Conte can trust and, and happily rotate and, um, and, and hopefully rest up some of the players that are in the red zone when it comes down to fitness so that we don't have to run him into the ground. I don't understand why, why we would try and kind of keep playing and keep playing him until he's injured and then he'll be out for three to four months. We can't have that. So 
we, we did miss out on two rest days for Kane this year in, in this short period of time. The Marseille away game, because of the Kane goal was ruled off offside against Sporting. Um, was it offside? Uh, it was VAR, wasn't it? And so the Marseille game, that, that last Champions League game would have been a rest game, would have been a change. I'm hoping it would have been a change side game. And that's really why Conte was really upset after that sporting game because he knew he couldn't rest these players that are already in the red zone. And then come to Forest, we've got no strikers, uh, nobody up front. So it's almost like he had to play. You know, we heard the reports from Conte saying he asked Kane in the morning because he was feeling it. He was feeling the tiredness. He was feeling a bit groggy. But Kane being Kane, he stepped up. And came on and played an hour for us when he shouldn't have played at all in that game, really. So, um, yeah, it does worry me, bro. It does worry me, but I'm just going to cross my fingers and toes and hope that all of them come back um, fit and healthy and ready for the for, for, for the business end of the season. Absolutely. Um, Rich, let's come to you in the 27th minute. Dian Kulisiski with a good chance. Melier out to save. Uh, in the 40th minute, Leeds had a free kick, um, was hit uh, hit the wall, rebound, comfortable for Hugo Lloris. And in the 43rd minute, Leeds United took the lead, 2-1. Rodrigo uh, scored. We failed to clear on the volley. A fantastic finish from him. Um, Richarlison with a chance uh, towards uh, half-time. And then, of course, the half-time whistle went. And uh, there were boos inside the stadium. Are you surprised on how many times we have seen and heard boos at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium since we've moved in? Uh, well, I think with the first half performances, is there a surprise? No, probably not. Um, been very weak in those first halves. Um, have the, the players entertained the fans in those first halves? No, not really. Um, with the kind of firepower that we've got as a, as a team, no. That's all. It's that Ricky off the Panto. He's <laughs> <laughs> <is> behind you. <laughs> yeah, he's in you? Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think it's it's on the You know, if you're 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 paying for obviously those games. And you're you're there, and you're just seeing the dross game after game in that first half. When you know that you take the shackles off some of the players, that can be far better. It's quite frustrating, and frustrating wise, you're going to obviously boo the boo the players at half time. I think it's I th- we need to get into our heads. How do we motivate these players? Is it by booing? Maybe not. We just need to like really. For me, it's about motivation and we need to motivate the players somehow and kind of just get behind them and say, look, look that wasn't good enough, but we, we, we know you can turn around in the second half. I'm not, I'm not really a massive fan of booing anyway. Being a professional athlete, you kind of, you, you don't get anything from that. But I can understand the frustration. Um, has that affected the second half performances? Today it didn't because I, th- I thought we were still poor in the second half. I just thought Leeds... Um, energy levels dropped um, in that in that second um, second half of the second half. Um, I would say that the fans have been really patient with the Conte uh, way of playing. That's one thing, and I saw that one uh, one of the comments that's gone through from Peter had said we can't dominate every ninety minute game. I'm like, we haven't dominated any ninety minute games. Do you know what I mean? We haven't we haven't dominated any half of a game. It's like 
Conte's like sit back and like chill, and then when you get the ball, just hit him on the break. And that's a hard watch sometimes. That's a hard watch. Um, for me, we get more exciting players in the team. We let the team be more expensive. Um, we've got players like Kulisewski. We've got Richarlison, Kane, Sonny. Lots of other teams in the in the league would love all those players. But we need to let the shackles off and, and actually see them move to the next level. Me, yourself, Ricky, we've all talked about, we've not seen the true kind of Spurs yet because they've not got up to those levels that can get up to. But they're not going to get up to those levels if they've got kind of restraints on them all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Rick, let's come to you. Um, enter second half Tottenham that we've seen so many times this season. Uh, 51st minute, um, we got a goal back, so um, making it 2-2. Ben Davis with the finish. Good work from Kulisewski. Cut it back to Kane. It was blocked. And then Ben Davis followed it up, uh, finishing 2-2. Nice to see Ben Davis popping up with yet another goal. He, he popped up with a, a vital goal at Bournemouth a couple of weeks ago and uh, another great goal from him. Yeah, another great goal for him. And it was a really important one at an important time in that game. Do you know what I mean? Um, you know, D- Davis does get a lot of flack, um, but you can see that he always Why? puts Why? it... Why, Dudley? I, I think it's just because, you know, at first, when everybody kind of got fed up, the same way people are fed up with Sanchez right now or, or Emerson Royal, um, but he was playing at left back and he wasn't the most dynamic left back. He was a conservative left back. And again, even though he put it all out there and would, you know, put his last legs and he's always there for a block and he's always putting his, his head in the way and he, he doesn't think about uh, endangering himself or hurting himself. He will always put everything on the line. But I think in that period where he was playing left back, I think just everybody was kind of tired and, and almost had enough of it. As soon as Conte came in and put him into a back three at left centre back, we saw the improved performances. Now, before Conte turned up, everybody was calling for, for Davies to be sold. Um, you know, it, even the um, even Dyer. Dyer was another one at that point that people were saying, like, yeah, I think it's time for him to go. But as soon as Conte came in, put him in a back three, suddenly we saw improved performances. Uh, suddenly we saw them building on performances. And he, I think he's, he's, been, he's been pretty decent. Do you know what I mean? He, he can't be phenomenal every single game. And if some of his teammates let, let him down, then what is he supposed to do? Do you know what I mean? It's a collective. Um, that's why they call it a defensive unit. You've got to be united. You've got to be a unit and, and work together and defend together and press together and attack together. You know, so when everybody's panicking and all over the pitch, left, right, and centre, what, what what can you do? But I think David is, you know, he he does he puts everything out there. You you always get a six stroke seven out of ten, and sometimes you'll get an eight out of ten. Out of 10. Do you know what I mean? Well, I'm delighted hey, to say that John hey, John, John Chambers is now home from the match from the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. John, how are you? Hello, Chris. Sorry, I'm a little bit late, guys. Um, just a bit like Spurs. I'm only turning up for the second half now. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. Well, John, um, before we uh, come on to you to talk about today's game, um, you've got a new book out, uh, just been released, Tottenham's Three Lines for Club and Country. Tell us a little bit about the book. Uh, yeah, thank you, Chris. Yeah, it's um, it's a book about all the England players that have played for Spurs over the years, um, going all the way back to 1903 when Vivian Woodward was our very first English international. And uh, over the years, Spurs have had 
Uh, thanks, Chris. Yeah, you can see you're holding it up there. Um, Spurs have had 77 England internationals, which is more than any other club in England. So it's one more than Aston Villa. So uh, we've got a pretty proud record there of uh, England internationals. And uh, hopefully we'll be adding some more in the future. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. John, you're, you're just home from the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium after witnessing Tottenham Hotspur beating Leeds United 4-3. What did you make of today's game? Um, yeah, well, a uh, fantastic game. Yeah, apologies for being late. Um, I did the M11 was uh, was all jammed up, so I had to sort of go the back way to get home. So I'm about half hour late. But um yeah, fantastic game today. Uh, fantastic entertainment. Um, wasn't really a game for the purists. I don't think the defences were on top at all, but uh, it made it a fantastic game. And uh, in the words of uh, uh, Leslie Phillips, who was a great Spurs fan who sadly passed away last week, uh, uh, the match was pretty much ding-dong. It was pretty good. <laughs> Rich, let's and come a, to you. A, a, good, a good three points as well to end off um, to end off the first part of the season as we go into the World Cup. I think um, we really needed to win today, um, so it's kept us right up near the top of the league. Ah, Ricky, fantastic! You've got the book, fantastic, excellent. Rich, Rich, <laughs> Rich didn't you get the memo? <laughs> Rich, what happened, Rich? Come on, mate. I can't read. Yeah, look, we, we, we've all got one. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I got this memo, though. I got this memo. <laughs> That's the only one you need. That's the one. That's the one. Um, Rich, let's come to you. In the 57th minute, um, Clement Langley went off. Emerson Royale went off. Sanchez and Doherty came on. Um, as I stated earlier, it was probably the biggest cheer um, today with Emerson going off. Um, in the 63rd minute, um, Harry Kane had a chance, shot wide. In the 68th minute, Rashardson went off, Basuma came on. Um, what do you make of Rashardson's performance? Because it's great to see him back. Of course, he's going to the World Cup with Brazil. Great to see him back in a Tottenham Hotspur shirt, though. What do you make of him today? He's, he's clearly going to get a bag full of goals for us. Um, he's just been unlucky. A couple of the opportunities he's had have just not obviously just gone wide or, or today just didn't really have the legs to go in. Um, he puts it about, doesn't he? Um, I think we've not seen the best of him yet, clearly. And uh, for me, he's, he's going to add a different dimension to the Spurs team. Um, Conte needs to work out how to get the best of him with possibly um, either Harry and Kulu in the team or, or Harry and Sonny in the team. Um, it's It, it gives uh, Conte uh, a good kind of problem when all four of them are fit. Um but for me, at the moment, he just needs to have that confidence in front of goal. The same as like Ben Davis, really. Ben Davis scores of the week and then gets another one today. That confidence in front of goal, um, I think Richarlison might get a bag full at the World Cup and then come back with that, that confidence, taking it into, um, into the end of the season. Because we're going to need the, um, as many fit players as we can for the, for the end of the season. Because I can see the accumulation of injuries being worse at the back end of the season. Ricky, let's come to you. In the 76th minute, um, Leeds United took the lead again. They went 3-2 up. Rodrigo goal. Um, shot in the corner. 
Could Hugo Lloris have done a little bit better with that shot? I mean, I mean, you've played in goal, Chris. What do you think? I mean, cause I, I, the reason I say it, I'll give you my opinion, but the reason I ask you is because you've played in that position. So do you think yeah. that he could have done better? Absolutely. Absolutely. This is exactly why I'm asking the question. And, um, yeah, I've played at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. I've played at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium twice and I've won twice. Get in, my friend. <laughs> well, I, no. I, I mean, like, goalkeepers are a whole different, you know, thing. So I, I, sometimes it's easy to say they should have got it. That's why I wanted to ask somebody that's actually played in goal, you know. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I, I think he could have. I think there was a lot of panic in that back line again. We've mentioned it. Um, but you know what? It, it was it was the response from the boys today. Like, there, there was... Every time we got pinned back or we, we, we another goal went in, and when that third goal went in for Leeds, I thought, well, that's it now. We're done. Yeah. You know, I, I thought that we was going to score the next one and go on to win. And when they done it, I was like, wow, this is going to... And I had all my rants ready to go, Chris. Let me tell you. It would have been a different, different show. I mean, I know I've been ranting already and complaining already, but it would have been fire. Um, it, it wouldn't have been the positive Ricky that you know and love, let me tell you. But um, no, to, to see the response from the boys and to see how much they actually wanted it. And these are the positive parts of the play. We know that we have that. You know, we know we, we, we have uh, play to the last whistle type of mentality. We know that there's always an opportunity for us. We know we have those Bergwin, Lucas, Mora moments. Do you know what I mean? And I didn't think it was going to happen today, but I was just so happy to see the response from the boys and how they got back, not only back into the game, but back into the game and then go on to get a win. I mean, blood. I mean, come on. Come on. I mean, it's why we love and hate Tottenham all at the same time, just because it's a crazy bloody world game. You think it's going down and then suddenly straight it's all up in the air again and everybody's happy and cheering and laughing and joking and, and, and high-fiving. Do you know what I mean? So uh, it, it really did punch me in the gut, that third goal from Leeds, but I'm just happy with the response. John, let's come to you because it was a great response. In the 79th minute, um, Tottenham Osborne equalised, making it 3-3. Benton Kerr, of course, getting the goal. A cross in from Doherty, headed out, and then Benton Kerr with a great finish. We've already spoken... Um, about Benton Kerr. He's been sensational for Spurs this season, hasn't he? Uh, he has. Since he's come last January, he's been absolutely brilliant. Yeah. I mean, I think he only scored possibly, was it one goal in about 120 games or something for Juventus? Uh, he's just become a goal machine for us this season. Uh, you know, he's just, and he gives everything on the pitch. He doesn't leave an ounce left on the pitch at all. Um, reminds me a little bit, I know he's not a forward player, but he reminds me a little bit the way he moves of Berbatov. It's very silky. Um, he turns turns away from people. He drives forward and he has been absolutely fantastic. Yeah, we, uh, we could definitely do with uh, a couple of new signings in January, as good as what Kulu and uh, Bentica have been for us this season. They both added, um, you know, style to our game as well. And we've really, really missed Kulu when he's been injured this season, to be honest. And him coming back has coincided. He was fantastic today, Dejan. He was absolutely brilliant, yeah. And uh, and Richarlison, you were talking about Richarlison earlier. He he gave everything as well. He just ch he chases everything down. He makes things happen. And the goals will come for him. And... Um, He's, he looks to be a great part of the squad as well. Even when he went off there, um, you know, he's jumping up and down on the bench, uh, you know, when things are going on, on 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 the pitch and he's still playing an active part. And, uh, yeah, just need... Um, just I mean, Conde's done a fantastic job, really. He's only been there a year now and um, 
I think we forget sort of where we was before he came. And, um, you know, uh, we definitely didn't think we was going to qualify for the Champions League last year when he took over. We was miles behind and he managed to achieve that with us. And then we've gone on this year. We had the great start. Was it our best ever Premier League start after 10 matches? Um, gone a little bit off the boil recently, but I think that's been down to injuries and tiredness. You know, we've had all these Champions League games as well. We've won our Champions League group, which was pretty cool. So to be where we are at the moment and uh, to be top of, you know, into the Champions League next round, got the uh, home tie second leg and to be up there. I think I just saw on the screen a little bit while well, Newcastle have gone one up. But even if they win today, we're still up there. We're still fourth. Um, and I don't think you can ask better for that, really, to be. It's like Conte says, he's going to need another window or two to really get the squad together. And I think if we stick with him and uh, and get him to the players in, I think we really can go places. We just we just got to stick with him, you know. Definitely. You speak very of Conte exactly like I do, John. What do you make of uh, some of the Tottenham Hotspur fans of their criticism of Antonio Conte, and some uh, don't want him at the club? Yeah, no, you you got you just got to give him patience. He's a he's a proven manager, you know. He's won everywhere where he's been. He's just he just needs he just needs the right sort of uh, as he says. He needs patience. He needs the players to come in. He's going to need can't do it all in one two windows. I mean, we bought we bought quite a few players in the last two windows to be honest, and they've all got to try and integrate. And I'm going to still be on the lookout for some more as well. And I think, you know, within a within sort of, you know, you know, hopefully next season, if he's still here, we'll push on and we're uh, we'll have a good old go. I mean, we're doing okay this year, to be honest, but we've just got to see where we go. The only problem is this season is um, you know, we we've had a great start, but it's uh, the other lot at the top of the league is uh it's just a little bit, you know, that's the worst thing for us. But uh, you know, but we I think the other that they'll tail off in the uh, second part of the season anyway, I think. Rich, let's come to you in the 83rd minute. Of course, Rodrigo Benton Kerr got Tottenham Hotspur's winner, making it 4-3. Great work from Dian Kulusevski. Um, the first time we took the lead in the game, actually, uh, yeah. in the 83rd minute. And just minutes before, uh, the Leeds United fans were so happy. They were all jumping up and down. It reminded me like a, 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 a European <laughs> club with their fans being so loud. Um, the Leeds fans must have been absolutely gutted, but... Um, as John said earlier, um, it's just so nice to finish um, this part of the season going into the World Cup with three points. For sure, yeah, for sure. And imagine going into the World Cup <laughs> and that with that time frame, <laughs> that negativity around the club. It's 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 not it's not productive at all. Um, yes, and the last 10, 15 minutes proved that we've got the resilience within the team. You can see the togetherness with this within the team generally. Um, Going back to what John was saying with some of the players that went off and then kind of get really still into the game and they'll be celebrating with the goals as well as kind of really pushing on the team, which is really important to know that you've got that that kind of camaraderie on the bench as well as on the pitch. Um, we definitely need more players, more recruits, upskilling and some of those players that I've said in in the past to, uh, to get us through the season. Um, I still think we've got lots of areas to improve. Um, but one one thing that teams do know that we fight to the end. And I think Conte's kind of pre-season exploits with just running the arse off all the players has showed that it... Uh, yes, some of the players might have had some niggles from being pushed mentally as well as physically. But I also think it, the resilient side of taking into the games and it showed with the the last-minute goals and the kind of really pressing, and whether it was at the Chelsea game where we were 
overrun but still got a point or whether it was today it's it's really important you know it's really important because it just shows when you've got everybody kind of running for the ball and pressing it shows you kind of you're all bought into the philosophy and the uh, and the mindset of the the coach uh, because without that you haven't got winners on the pitch and that's that that then becomes really hard to actually win in games um and i think we we um we went about it in the right way i think obviously we knew that we weren't playing very well we then obviously some of the key players like uh, Benzinko, Kuliseski, uh, Hoyerberg, we just kind of go come on guys we're, we're going to get an opportunity we've got some we've got some real class up front somebody's going to get an opportunity at some point Benzinko had that took it uh, and it definitely does remind me of uh, Moussa Dembele but I, what I think the, the good thing about Benzinko is he's adding goals to his game as well like yeah. John was saying and and, and uh, Moussa didn't and we always wanted him to so have we got a better former Moussa Dembele in the team let's hope hope so because obviously he is he's young he has he, he has obviously international experience as well as experience of playing in Italy at, at, the, at the highest uh, in the highest one of the highest teams in Italy at Juventus. Coming over to Spurs, can he bring that? Can he bring that? Um, uh, and also improve his game, which he can. I think he's only 24. Um, for, for me, he is somebody that can really push us on in that centre of mid- midfield. Somebody more creative uh, alongside him would help. But uh, yeah, I think, I think today he was one of the reasons and the reason we obviously won today. I think it would actually be hard to take Benz and Kerr and Hoybier out of this uh, starting eleven now. Um, now, just before we talk about the January transfer window, um, I just want to play you a one-minute clip from Antonio Conte's press conference um, on Friday talking about his contract. Honestly, and uh, until now, we didn't speak. But for sure, after the, the first part of the season, uh, uh, it's right to... Uh, to to have a meeting, you know, with, to have a meeting with the club, and then to discuss uh, about the positive things, about the negative things, uh, and the way that we can improve, and then uh, and then uh, then we'll see, we'll see what we can uh, we can do. You know very well that uh, my uh, my my contract expired uh, uh, in June, you know, and uh, 30, 30 June, and uh, I think. Uh, uh, that's uh, until that moment, uh, um, the club, the club uh, has to to make the best, the best valuation also, no? And because uh, um, I think uh, everything you need to to deserve, and uh, for this reason, uh, it will be important uh, to see and uh, the rest of the season, no? What happen and. Uh, if we are happy about the improvement that uh, we are we are doing, Rick, let's come to you on that clip. When you watch that clip, do you think Antonio Conte is here for the long term, or are you worried that we might lose him at some point in the near future? So ever since Conte has joined the club, I've I've said from the start at one point he's going to go. All right. We know what he does. We know his record. Okay. Even at successful teams where he's won the league, he's left if something doesn't go his way. 
I think one of the greatest things about Conte when he came in is that he not only held uh, the scouts to account, but he held the club and Daniel Levy to account. And I think that's where he uses his contract as, as poker cards, uh, as a pair of aces in his hand. And he's basically like, if you continue to back your chat, if you continue to back me and continue to invest in the side and continue us to improve, then I think he'll be with us. I think he loves the club. I think he's getting enamoured with the club. I think that uh, uh, Mr. Ventroni passing away and it brought some emotion, emotional connection to the club, club for him. You know, they... they the club even planted a, 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 an Italian oak tree at the training ground. Ventroni had so much influence, not o- only um, over the players, but he's been with Conte for years and years and years and years and years. So <clears throat> you can see that losing him definitely had an effect over n- not just Conte, but the team. Uh, but I think he does have that emotional connection. I do think he's trying to hold that ball to account. And you've got to remember, when he has held the board to account, they have delivered. The January transfer window, they brought in two players who we've just been lured in that came in and changed the side. We needed to improve the, 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 the quality of the squad uh, in the summer, which we've done. You know, we've brought in players that can, in, it, once they find their form and once they get a bit of rhythm, they can start stepping up and, and being a, a, a platform for this team to grow. Um, we're not playing La Celso, Ndombele, Harry Winks. We're not playing these, these, these players that were in our squad that we had to play because we spent money on them. They have now been gone. They've been cold so that we can create the mentality and we can create a, a structure that can be a winning team, that can be a winning structure. Well, yes, we've had some problems, but you've got to, like John was saying there, you've got to remember the journey. The, the problems that we've had have been inherent in the side for a lot of, for at least three years, but I'm going to say for like four seasons, three or four seasons, that the, the same problems have been there. I said under Mourinho, we was bloody well like Titanic FC. I've said it many a time. Under uh, un, under the Portuguese <laughs> Christian Gross, um, you know, we was we was a shambles. We was all over the place. And since he came in, the, the marked improvement of the side has been fantastic. If you want to look at the, the, the Tottenham side that he created, look at last year when he had a lot of time on that training field, five, four to five days to prepare a game and to get those players firing. We were firing all over the park, all over the park. We were playing attacking football. We, we were playing threatening football. We, we were running over teams. We were scoring a lot of goals. And we all hoped and prayed with a preseason and with a transfer window that we could kick kick on this year. It's been a bumpy ride. It has been a bumpy ride. But I do believe that with all of the things um, that we've been through as a club and him as manager, if the c- club continue to back him come January and he gets what he needs, then I think that he will stay with us. I think he will sign a new deal and I think that he'll be with us for a little bit longer. But with Conte, a contract doesn't matter. Yeah, I, I, I know for, for, for us it matters. And for even for players in January that are coming in that want to work under him, it matters. It's important. But even if he had a five-year contract, if things were going south, come the summer and he started getting lied to or he wasn't getting backed or he wasn't getting what he was asking for, then we all know he's happy to just drop the contract, drop the club and go about his business. I think the biggest difference between what Conte has done at other clubs and Tottenham is the amount of surgery that needs to be done at Tottenham. 
when yeah. he was at Juve, when he was at Inter, when he was at Chelsea, they all had a foundation of good, really, really good players and which he could then build on. And then we can look at the problems that happened at Inter. In Inter. They brought in Hakimi and then after one season, they wanted to sell Hakimi. That, that is going to send Conte crazy, right? But there's a lot more surgery to be done here than there have been at his previous clubs. And from everything that he said along the season, he wants to be the one to do it. He wants to be the one to use that money to build this squad and to turn us into a winning side. He's asked for patience, time and patience from, from all of us. And I think he's asked that for a reason because he, has, he ain't done yet. He ain't, he ain't even started yet. One of the key things that he said in his press conference was that he wants to deserve his contract. What does that mean? What does it mean? It means that he wants to achieve something where he's like, you know what? We're cooking. We're cooking with gas. We're going in the right direction. We've done something. We've lifted a trophy or we've, we've performed great and we've had a great end to the season at the business end of the season. Let's continue this journey. And I think that's all he needs to see. That's all he wants to see. The improvement in the side, but the backing in January and then the assurances of a backing in the summer because this squad needs surgery. We ain't where we, where we need to be right now because, like I said, the problems that we have have been inherent for a long time and it's taken a long time to get rid of those problems. And when, when it comes down to defending sometimes, when it comes down to being on the back foot, our default setting is to go back to those problems. It's to panic and go back to that, to that style of thinking. So... The more he's at the club, the more he's given, the more we back him, the more we roar him on and cheer the team on, the more he's going to want to be here and build something special. Because if he wins something at Tottenham, it'll be the biggest and best trophy that he's ever won anywhere because of the history of us not winning, the history of us not achieving. So if he can do it somewhere like this, then all, all the rumours and all, all the kind of headlines are true about him. He is a serial winner and he is a world-class manager and he's going to show it to every single person at Tottenham Hotspur. I'm with you, Rick, and I love your enthusiasm, but there's a lot of ifs. Um, John, let, let's come to you. Um, now, Antonio Conte said there his contract ends on the 30th of June. As a Spurs fan, are you worried that the fact that he hasn't got his contract done and dusted and... Thinking about it from the club's point of view, if Antonio Conte does not sign a new contract um, by the, say, the 1st of January when the, the transfer window opens, do the club fully back him in the way that he wants to be backed for the end of the season and going forward uh, by him not signing a new deal? Uh, that's, that is a tough one because... Um... Ideally, I think the club would want to know if he is staying uh, before they release more funds. Uh, they gave him quite a substantial amount of money in the summer to spend. Um, we spend that on, um, like Ricky said earlier, a few squad players and we've uh, beefed up our squad quite a lot. Um, but uh, on the way home, I was listening to him on the radio and he was saying that you know Spurs are in the position they should be in at the moment. Um, the teams that are above them have all had um, they've had money pumped in, but we've had money pumped in this year, so we're catching that up. 
but also um, the fact that the, those teams have had a manager in place for two to three years now, and he was sort of he was labouring that point. The fact that you know that's why they're doing um, so well at the moment. So hopefully that's an indication that he is thinking that he's going to be here for a two three year project as well. But like Ricky says, um, even if he is successful, sometimes um, he doesn't stay in a place too long as well. But I, I think he will stay. I, I think he will want to prove to be uh, to carry on his his success and prove what a top manager he is. Yeah, and um, we've all been wanting success for a long time. And if he can bring it, I mean, it will it will be a god, won't he? Uh, our play. Um, with the direction that Antonio Conte wants to take the club, John, what would be uh, successful for him? Do you think this season? Uh, this season, uh, it'd be good if we could win a trophy this season. That would be fantastic. But unfortunately, we got knocked out of the League Cup the other night, which was surprising. Um, he did put out a very good team, actually. Surprised me. Um, a lot of teams put virtually a complete reserve side out. Um, we did put out um, a, a, um, a reasonably sort of first team, really. But... Um, Fortunately, um, they just looked a bit leggy on the night and uh, we went out, which was a shame. But we're still in the Champions League. Um, I think finishing in top four will be crucial again this season. I think um, maybe winning the league might be a bit beyond us this season because I, I think even though Manchester City lost today, I still think they'll have quite a lot of points. They'll be over above 90 points by the end of the season probably. So they're, they're, the, they're the yardstick to sort of catch up in the Premier League. So... Um, you know, I've got the FA Cup to go for, but I think the the best thing for us this season was just still finish in the top four and then go again in the summer, buy some more players, give him what he wants and uh, and go again next season and have a real good go at maybe possibly the league next season. Rich, let's come to you. Stephen writes now, Conte will sign. Um, as Ricky rightly said, he is invested. I believe he has never had this uh, foundation before. Um, do you think that Conte is happy and do you think that he knows right this minute whether he's going to be Spurs boss next season or is it all hinging on being backed in the January window? Well, um, it's a big question, right? Um, I think obviously the reason why he's saying what he's saying is because he wants the board to back him as well. Uh, he needs to have the tools to be able to deliver uh, as he got them at the moment. No, but um, he, like obviously fellow guests have said, um, He's, he's also said that it's going to take him two or three uh, windows to get the, the tools to be able to be successful. I think for me, it's really important that we understand that uh, this is a process. And for other other clubs, contracts don't really mean a, a great deal for him. And uh, at any time, he could walk away from the club, whether he wins or not. I think the, the fans have, have, have had a big impact on him and his team. Um uh, he feels part of something special moving forwards. Is that going to keep him at the club? I'm not really that sure. Um, but what I what I am seeing is that he is definitely building something, um, and we need to persevere with the process because we've having a manager like Conte, we've actually really bought into bought into him and and uh, what he brings to the club, and that is hopefully trophies. Hopefully, indeed, we've been waiting so long. Um, know, how many times do you talk about trophies, Chris? <laughs> uh, I, haven't even, I haven't even brought trophies up today. I tell you what, I, I, I think I, I'm not even calmed down after Wednesday because, as John rightly said, we put a strong team out. Conte went for it. Um, I was so disappointed on Wednesday because 
I yeah. truly believe that that was probably our, our best opportunity, most realistic opportunity of winning a trophy this season. Um, that hurt. It hurt me on Wednesday. It really did. And I hate it when Spurs uh, get dumped out of cup competitions because I just hope, you know, every year that that, that it is our year. But um, it's not going to be the League Cup, unfortunately. Um, Ricky, I said to you earlier about, I was going to ask the question about um, your uh, great moment or your favourite moment of this season so far um, and the rating out of 10 for the season so far. What would you give it? I would give the rating, the rating's a bit easier for me. And you've also got to remember what Dyer said. Decimal points is, you know, that, that's professional league. You know, just going for whole numbers, it's amateur time. Do you know what I mean? So I'm going to give them a 7.6 for the season so far. Um, my favourite, my best moment, I, I, I'm going to say it, it was the uh, going through in the Marseille game. Because what a roller coaster that was this year. And yeah. I think it was vitally important that we got through. I, even for the ribbon and the jokes and the banter and the gifts and all, all of the Twitter palaver from the other lot down the road. Uh, you know, just for that alone. But like for, for our fundamentals and for, for our future going forward, it was, it was so important that we got those three points that night. And after the first half again, away against Marseille in that last game, I didn't have any belief in me at all that we was going to pull it round or pull it back or go on to win. But wow, we we, we do have we, we do have science in this side, and I know it takes sometimes it takes going a goal down for them to start playing, and you know, or, or being on the on the back foot before they go front. I just think that there's a lot more to come from this side. I know what what he wants to bring to Tottenham. I've seen that the end of the season last year showed me a lot of what he what that three five two three 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 four three can bring to us when it's all clicking it and going in the right direction. And you know, I I, I only see us like building on that, bro, from next year. So I think that. Uh, yeah, that Marseille game was the best result for me, and uh, those go- those those goals that I got us through, it's got to be my highlight, I think. Um, and Bentancur being Bentancur, oh my gosh, wow, just wow. Yeah, I completely agree with you. the The Marseille um, that that last minute winner was probably my favourite moment so far this season. Um, I'll give Spurs a 7 out of 10 so far. I think to finish, well, to, to go into the World Cup in the top four in the Premier League and be in the last 16 of the Champions League, I think if you would have asked any Spurs fan at the start of the season, going into the World Cup, that's the position that we would be in, I think we'd all be happy. I know the performances haven't been fantastic and a lot of these first half performances have been uh, pretty poor, but I do think there's so much more to come from this uh this team and this squad. And I think it's fantastic as well that during the World Cup, Antonio Conte will get the chance to work with a number of players not going to the World Cup. And we all know how he loves a pre-season and what he can do uh, to transform a lot of the players' performances. Um, John, let's uh, come to you on the same question. Um, yeah, um, a, f- a few times. Actually, actually, today was pretty cool uh, when we scored the fourth goal. That was one of my favourite moments of the season, to be honest, because it was so key that we, we won this game today and finished on a high. Um, what we've, We're going to have a, what is it, a month off now, uh, so for the World Cup. We really needed to finish on a high. And the, the way they've been finishing the games, uh, the Bournemouth game and also the Marseille game as well with the last-minute goals, 
Um, that's just te testament to, to the work that um, Ricky mentioned earlier, Mr. Ventroni put in at the beginning of the season. So we've had the tragic loss of him as well, which uh, has, has rocked the club. And I think that's had a little bit of an impact on the squad as well. Um, but, um, you know, they're going to be playing for him as well. And But you can see the hard work that they put in in the summer. He's really, really paying off, yeah. And um, I'd give him about seven, seven out of ten as well for the, you know, for the season so far. And like you said, Chris, if at the beginning of the season, if you said we'd be sort of third or fourth and um, in with a shout still, you know, in the league and also into the second round of the Champions League, I think we'd all been quite happy with that, to be honest. What about you, Rich? Um, so I'll go for Sonny's hat-trick against Leicester. Um, coming off the bench, um, for me, that was... To see that, that was epic. Like I, He came off the bench and I thought he'd played the game. Like, so he did so much in that like short space of time. Um, and he yeah, got man of the match. <laughs> awesome. And, and we weren't that great against Leicester when we beat him 6-2. So, um, yeah, that was probably my, my favourite kind of moment so far. Just because... Obviously, the fans, like, the elevation of noise when he scored his first goal. And then it was one after the other. They could have had four, never mind three. Um, and that was just such a great game to watch, especially the second half. Um, now, whew, like, number out of ten. So, I think I'm right in saying that. So, this first year is Conte's biggest points accumulation when he's been in charge. Um so, with that, you probably can't go less than seven. Um, can I go any h higher than seven? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I want to kind of say that it's an eight because then I'll be saying that actually I've enjoyed well, the start, style of football and the results. Ricky went with a 7.6. Use the decimal, Rich. Use the decimal. <laughs> I can't, man. I can't. I need to give him a no. I need to give him a no for, for first half performances. So it's seven flat, and the flat is the first half, because I you know some of the some of the first half performances I've literally wanted to turn off, and I never do that. You know what I mean? You you watch the shit in the first half, and you go, "What the hell's going off?" But uh, yeah, seven flat, and I can't swear anymore because my daughter's just walked in. Would, would it would it help you, Ricky, if I said a seven point one? Then is that better? <laughs> Yeah, at least you're playing, bro. At least you're playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll yeah, play the okay. game. We'll play the game. Um, <laughs> let, let's come to you. We, we've been saying all show that we're going to come on to talk about the January transfer window. Um, now, various reports have stated that Antonio Conte has this shopping list. He wants a, a, a forward. He wants a midfielder. He wants a, um, a right wing back. He wants defenders. What is realistic in this January transfer window, because as I said earlier, uh, and as I think a lot of you guys have said it as well, uh, Benton Kerr and Kulisevsky in the last January transfer window transformed our season last season. We went from Europa Conference League football to playing Champions League football. Um, those two additions were absolutely fantastic. We all thought that we we're getting Juventus rejects, but they have turned out to be two fantastic players for Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. What is realistic for you and what do you really think Antonio Conte desperately wants and needs? And he's banging on the door of the board and saying, this is a must in this window. The must in this window is definitely a right wing back. And I think a striker as well, an attacker. 
so that he can rotate this, the, the front three. He can give Harry a rest because we are going to get the, the backlash of the World Cup coming next year. There are going to be injuries. There are going to be people that are up and down with form. So he's definitely going to want that right wing back because of the system. It's all about the wing backs. And I think that he's definitely going to want some sort of forward stroke striker. If he can get in the midfielder there as well, why not? They've got a month to sort it out. They've got a month to scout. They've got a month to talk to the agents. You know, they, 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 they've got time to do it. I think the only thing that's going to hurt us is our first options because we can't take anything less than our first options or Conte's first options. We can't take another one that's num the second option or the third option because he's probably going to go into the squad again, not be trusted 100%. And then, you know, what's going to happen? He's going to come on. They're going to be rusty. They're not going to perform. And then the crowd will get on the back and be like, why did we waste this money? So it's really important that they get their first options or Conte gets his first options of who he wants. Now, if he can only get one player in and it's his first option, I will take it. I will take it because that one player, if it's of the level of, of, of Deki or of Bensonker, then, oh my gosh, we're going to have a, a, a surge of energy. We're going to have a, a, a kind of a, a, new, a, a new side, a new team, something that's new, dangerous to the opposition, some, something that's going to inspire the team around them. Did you see that right comment now, in the in, in the comments, Ricky? That says no, Benzica's four brothers and two sisters and his dog. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have that. That'd do. That'd do. We can sit, we'll stick the dog in goal. That'd do. Do you know what I mean? But no, it's all about the first option for me. So as long as he gets his first option in January, then I'll, I'm all with it. The, the one thing that we can't do is do zero transfers because there's so much surgery that needs to be done to this squad that in every, and this is why Conte keeps saying it, in every transfer window, we have to improve. We have to move forward with the transfer window and we can't afford mistakes. These are his words that we all know and that we've all said ourselves over, over a period of time. So this is why I think Conte is going to hold the board, Paratici, the scouts, to account again and go, get me what I need. We're in a great position. Do you want us to push on? Do you want us to push forward? Do you want us to achieve this year? Well, this is your opportunity. Do it right here, right now. Spend this money because we can't go backwards. Because it, 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 it might do, bro. What, what if we have this scenario next year where Sonny's out, Kane's out, R R Richie's out, and, th and then what? And then what? You know, are we going to play Emerson Royal up front? I don't know. So we really do need to sort out what, what the positions that are really important to him and go for our first option. And as long as we do that, I'll be a happy guy. John, it sounds like you've got the same views as me as the, the last January transfer window. I thought it was absolutely fantastic and it, and it worked out fantastically well in the end for us. Um, what is realistic for Conte this time? Because surely, I know we signed a lot of players in the summer window, but surely this coming January window has to be about real quality coming in again rather than quantity. Yeah, it, has, it, it does. But it is a very, very tricky window to sign players in the January window. I mean, we did fantastic last year to get those two players and the impact they had on the team was absolutely immense. Um, uh, you know, we've had some few players in, in January previous, you know, uh, I think Michael Dawson came in January, didn't do too bad, did he? So it is possible to pick up these players in January, but it is a tricky window, which may be made even more difficult this season with the fact that the World Cup's going on as well. So it might be difficult to find players to negotiate, but I'm sure they've got their 
um, their sort of targets, and I'm sure they're working on it now. And um, going back to whether we said whether we think Conte is going to stay or not, I, I think he wants to stay. I think he's just trying to put a little bit of pressure on to to get people in that he wants. Um, you know, we've got you. Remember, we've got Udogi that we signed as well. That's um, uh, probably yep. going to come next season, hopefully. He's tearing up Serie A at the moment. He looks a good prospect as well. So, so it looks like they're planning for the future. But uh, January is a difficult one to sort of try and get some signings over the board. But um, hopefully we will. Um, they did get, as I say, we got a couple of brilliant ones last season. So, fingers crossed. We do need, um, I think we need another player up front. Like Ricky said, definitely, uh, because we was a bit light. If you're going to play three up front, we only really got five players, really, at the moment. And um, we've had a lot of trouble with injuries this season. I mean, Lucas has been out virtually all season. Um, and now Sonny's out. Um, Richarlison's been out as well. So Kane, Kane is looking really tired at the moment as he's had to play every game. Um, so we could do with another forward-type player. Um, but I'm, I'm sure they know all this and, and they'll be on the lookout for someone. But hopefully a couple of people in January would be fine, would be good, and then go again next summer, hopefully. Rich, out of um, who started the game today, the starting 11, Larice Royal, Perisic, Dyer, Lengley, Davis, Benzenko, Oibier, Kulisevsky, Richarlison and Kane, who would you like to replace in that team? Why? Why do you ask me these stupid questions, man? Because <laughs> <laughs> you know the answer, I do. You know the answer, I do. So obviously, Emerson, right? <laughs> You're such a... look, look, I, d- I don't want to be hating on Emerson, but you always kind of digging me a hole, man. So um, okay, let Emerson... me put it. Let, let me put it another way. Um, where in the team can we improve? Okay, okay, clearly. Obviously, those wing backs need to improve. <laughs> uh, I'll just say defense. Let's just say defense. Let's make it more generic. Let's just sort of say more generic. I agree so, with John. We need we need somebody up front to support. Obviously, the workload that the, uh, the front players are, are getting. Uh, but I think defensively, we need to improve. Um, it's clear that we need to improve in that department. I think quality is really important. We can't just be buying people for the sake of it. Um, I think we still need that Ericsson replacement, which we've never had. Uh, are we still going to, are we going to get a Madison? Uh, I think Madison might be a, might be a good kind of option, but if he has a good world cup, I don't think he'll come to Spurs. Um, but we need to think about how do we keep improving that squad? Last January, we did with the two acquisitions that went straight into the team. We can't just be kind of always going, well, this player might improve us in three or four seasons' time, or this player is somebody for the future. I think Conte's a, a here and now kind of guy, so that's why he's wanting to kind of really improve the uh, squad now. I think defensively, we need to look. I think Bastoni, if he would have come in, I think he would have... Uh, really improve that stability at the back, especially through uh, these kind of really difficult times. Uh, that didn't happen, whether we can re-kind of ignite that interest, hopefully. I think he's had, he's had a little bit of an up and down season with it, obviously his, his team now, but he, he shows real quality on the ball that we obviously lack. Um, 
defensive and also are, are we are we still looking for like a Hugo uh, replacement or is, would that be started to kind of look into next year? Um, I think that question that's question still something that that crops up after three or four kind of iffy games. This summer, I would have thought, and uh, yeah. I read a report. I read a report somewhere stating that Spurs were interested in signing the Leeds goalkeeper Melier. Um, Rich, if 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 it was two signings in the January transfer window, what are the absolute key areas where you think Conte would look? Would it be a right wing back and a centre back? Would you say, or you know, a lot of you are saying about creative midfielders? I'm not so sure where a creative midfielder fits in this system that Conte likes to play. But if it was yeah. only two signings in January, would it be a, 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 a centre back and a, and a right wing back for you? If if the right players come on the market for sure. I think, um, and I've said this before, that away from home, playing three up front is is a bit too is a bit too much. I think two up top with an extra midfielder. I know it's not worked every time, but I think that's where you utilise that creative midfielder. I believe uh, instead of having somebody like Richie just kind of drop in and uh, and take that extra position in midfield, you actually have somebody that plays that midfield role uh, naturally. Um, so if you say two, but if you're greedy and say three, I'd say uh, <laughs> attacking midfielder, centre back, and right wing back. Um, Sessignon and Perisic, that that's that's not really kind of lit the fire in every game yet, but it's it's not one of those key areas that we need to address straight away. Yeah, it was interesting as well uh, how Antonio Conte said that he thinks that Sessignon is a very reliable player for Premier League and Champions League matches, which I thought was interesting. Um, well, Ricky, let's, let's come to you. Um, Jed Spence, um, the lack of game time for Jed Spence, would you be surprised if Spurs let him out on loan in January? I'd be disappointed. I'd be devastated. You, you, you know, he, he might have been a club signing. But Conte did sign off on it, and he was scouted and 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 picked out and pointed out as a perfect um, right wing back for a Conte system. So if they let him go out on loan next year, I will be disappointed, really, and uh, I'll be devastated for the lad because there was a lot of teams that were in for him at the time, and he and I don't know how. But he chose Tottenham and he chose Tottenham from, I think it was from last January, just after that January transfer period. So, um, you know, I, I, I think there's a lot in him. I think he, he, in a small amount of time that I've seen him, I think he offers more uh, than both the right wing backs that we've got um, at the moment. And um, the only thing that would be a good thing is that he'd get game time. And he'd get a runner game so that hopefully, fingers crossed, he can come back next year and and then and then kick on. But uh, I think that, I think we should use him. And uh, even if he if he goes and buys a right wing back, I would sell the, the the two that we've got and make Spence the number two right back, uh, right wing back, and then have Conte's number one right back and have them two play. Uh, because think about it, just just seeing he's he, Spence's pace, for instance. Him and Kulu on that right-hand side, that's devastating right there. Just pace alone is going to frighten teams. Do you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I'd, I would be upset if he went on loan in January. And um, I would really hope that he gets some more game time come next year. And and use, and this period of time would have been use, useful then because he would have learned the Conte way. He would have learned the system. He would have yeah. learned what, what, what requirements that he needs to, to be in this system. So then why would you do all that for this amount of time 
He's also going to have him for the World Cup period of time. So, again, like you were saying there, tra- training and a mini preseason going on. So, why wouldn't you keep him and use him for next year? I, 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 that, that would be, that'd be like a, a, a proper kind of mind-blown um, option. Or, or, or thing to do right now. And, you know, we, we can ask John as well. Like, I, I kind of see him being a, a future England um, player, international. Um, and hopefully he's in your next book. Do you know what I mean? Come volume two, he'll be in the next book wearing a Spurs shirt and an English jersey all at the same time. Do you know what I mean? So, Well, let, 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 let's come to you on that same question, John, because surely if it's going to help anybody out this break with Antonio Conte at Hotspur Way, it should help Jed Spence out. And I said um, on a podcast the other day that if Jed Spence is not featuring in that Brentford game when we come back on Boxing Day, then surely um, he's got to be getting some game time somewhere else just to, to get game time. Because back in the day, you know, you, you used to have the reserves where if you weren't in the first team, you'd play in a reserve game, you, you would get that match fitness, you'd get game time. But of course, there's not it's not like that anymore. So if Conte doesn't choose him, at the end of December, stroke January, would you be would you be surprised to see him go out go out on loan? Um, I'd be disappointed if he went out on out on loan. I think he, he should be given a go. Really, let's, let's see what he can do. You know, he looks like he's got a lot of pace, got a lot of skill. Um, so let's see him play. But um, it's disappointing he hasn't played so far. But um, but if he's not going to play, if if Mr. Conte is not going to pick him, then maybe maybe we should send him out on loan somewhere and to see what he can do there. You know, just so that we can get an idea of what he can do. You know, maybe I don't know if that's uh, into the Premier League or the Champions. I think he's proven at the Championship level, isn't he? I don't think he really needs to go back down to the Championship. No. But maybe we could see what he could do with another Premier League side. I don't know. Or it, I suppose it all depends on what's going to happen in the January transfer window and, and what they decide to do. You know. Um, like Ricky said, they might decide to move some people on and he might be elevated um, up to another position sort of to be the reserve right back or whatever. Um, it's all going to depend on what happens in January and also, you know, and whether they whether they actually want to give him a go. I think he deserves a go anyway. Yeah, he's um, he looks a quality player, to be honest. Right, I've got two questions left. Uh, we'll, we'll make this quick. Um, the World Cup, of course, is coming up very, very soon. Uh, John, let's start with you. Um what do you make of the World Cup at this time? And who do you think will win it? Right. OK, so it is a funny time for the World Cup, isn't it? It does seem a bit weird. It, it, it doesn't seem like it sort of just crept up on us. There, there hasn't been a lot of sort of lot of adverts or anything for it. And it's like it's not really happening, to be honest. But I'm sure once it all starts next week, we're, we'll all be into it. England are not really... Um, they're not really in great form, are they, England, to be honest? Let's be honest. Um they haven't. I think they have. They've gone a few games without scoring goals as well. But I know it's, it's World Cup's a little bit different. They might. Uh, they might pull some form out. But um, I'll I tell you think, what, John. Based on form, can you imagine Maguire and Dyer at the back? <laughs> yeah, the forms. The form's not great at the moment. The form. Well, the actual England form's not great as well. I mean, I think they lost. They got relegated from the Nations League, didn't they? And uh, they lost twice to Hungary. And yeah, so they're in poor form, but sometimes that can all turn around in a tournament. So, you know, they've got, um, I wouldn't say, it seems to be an easy enough group. They should get out of the group. If they don't deserve to get out of the group, then they deserve to come home, to be honest. Uh, Got a tricky game against Wales. America's a tricky game as well. Should beat Iran, I suppose. But um, 
Yeah, so we'll just have to wait and see. I, I mean, my favourites, I, I think the team to look out for is Argentina. Rick, same question for you. You're on mute, Rick. <laughs> First time ever. Um, <laughs> um, no, I think it, I think it's a really weird time for it to happen. Um, like J- John was saying there, there ain't really no hype around it, and um, it's it's just really weird. I'm I'm more worried about our boys getting injured out there than I am about England winning the World Cup, for instance. It, it would be great if they could do it. But I'm more worried about our players out there, man. And because we've got a, uh, they have no rest time whatsoever as soon as the tournament finishes. And then they've got to go straight back into the Premiership. We're just flogging these players. And, and Conti said it the other day when, when he spoke about welfare, the welfare of the player. That's totally out the window. It's like you're getting paid, you're getting paid astronomically. Get on and do it. Get on and do it. And I think it's going to be tough, mate. I think it's going to be tough. But, um, my pick for the tournament is probably going to be France. Uh, they've got Tuchemeni in midfield, Camavinga, Mbappe, and as well as everything else that they've got. I think they've got like an abundance of riches. And um, if they were to win it, then Hugo would be the one to lift the old World Cup again. So, um, you know, at least he's lifting one trophy at least this season. Hopefully it's not the only one. What about you, Rich? Do you think England have got a chance? <sighs> I keep you happy and say yes uh, because I know that I know that you want to see a, a, an English trophy from either England or Tottenham this season, and obviously because we've been kicked out of one competition already, um, I'd say England have got a good chance of progressing from the group. Like John was saying, I think um, rotation is going to be key um, with the team again. Um, we're going to have to utilise uh, all players in all departments. I think. Callum Wilson might actually play a, a couple of games, to be honest. I think he might. I think Harry might not necessarily play every minute of every game. I think it's it's, it's always been in the past that he's in those major tournaments. He, he has done that, but maybe that's not the case this time because the, the sheer workload he's had pre, pre the tournament. And obviously, it's only eight days until it starts. Um, I would say my pick, oh, Brazil. I'd go Brazil. Let's go Brazil. Um, I, I, I like Argentina. I think they're obviously they've um, uh, they play a different uh, uh, game now, and I think they really utilise Messi within the team. Uh, he's obviously scored plenty of goals, but against pub teams re- recently, so not not the the high quality that he's going to face in the World Cup. But I think obviously a confident Messi is always going to be dangerous for any team. Um, and like Ricky was saying, obviously France have got an abundance of young talented players. Uh, but yeah, I'll go for I don't know I'll go for maybe a Brazil this time and uh, hopefully England get to uh, the semi-finals and then anything can happen there, right? Um, I think Germany are always dangerous, but I think they've got uh, a lack of experience within the team, uh, which might which might be their downfall in so, in some of those knock, in knockout games. It's interesting actually because a number of ex Spurs players are going to the World Cup, including um, in Kudu. Uh, Vincent Janssen is going to the World Cup with uh, with the Hello. Netherlands. Um, of course, uh, Stephen Bergvine's there as well. Lots of uh, ex-Spurs players there. Um, Rich, you know um, you know the last question. You know what's coming, don't you? Where do you think Spurs will finish at the end of this season? Uh, mate, I'm going to make it short and sweet. And I always say that uh, we want to improve. <laughs> 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 uh, so, 
<laughs> I'd love him to finish third. Do we deserve to be above two other t- uh, behind two other teams in the league? No, because that's going to be, I think, Man City and Arsenal. Um, I think Newcastle are going to be pushing this year. I still sort of think Liverpool are going to be strong. Um, yeah, let's go third. I go third. I go optimistically third with some uh, reinforcements in January. That's me. What do you reckon, John? Third or fourth. Uh, you've got to remember, um, at the moment, we are above we're above Chelsea, Liverpool, Manchester United. So, it's not been a bad season. Um, it started off really well, tailed off a little bit recently. But the win today was good. And uh, I think we can stay in the top four. Um, like Richard said, a couple of signings in January as well would be nice. Keep us up there. And let's try and have a go at trying to win the FA Cup this season. It's been a long time since we won the FA Cup. Yeah. I think we deserve yeah, yeah. to win it again. Nineteen ninety-one. Don't get me started, John. I tell you, <laughs> the, the the lack of trophies is just unbelievable. I, I would just love. There is nothing more I'd love to see than that bus parading down the high road. Um, the likes of Larice and Harry Kane and Sonny all lifting a trophy because, of course, they haven't won anything at Spurs yet. Um, yeah, far too long. Um, and those those guys deserve it as well. They've been brilliant yeah. players for us over the last sort of six, seven, eight, nine, ten years, whatever. They they do deserve to to win something. Yeah, I mean you got to remember, Conte's building something now. Hopefully, um, and it, it's not going to take five minutes. It's going to take you know possibly another season, this season, and then maybe next year really push on. Remember, Poch's team took a couple of years to really get going as well. And um, I think they are building, hopefully. And I, I, I think he'll stay, to be honest. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Um, Rick, what do you, where do you reckon? I, I, I'm going to go with fourth, by the way. I'm going to go with fourth. If we have a good transfer window, you never know what can happen. And, uh, of course, if Conte um, ends up staying, I'm with John. You know, he can make this club very successful. Um, you know, it's been a good 12 months results-wise. What, what do you think? I'm saying top three. I'm saying top three, and uh, the reason I'll say that is because the first half of the season, we haven't really got out of first gear. We might have slipped into second, but there's a lot more to come from this side. And I think once we get to the business end of the season, this is where uh, Conte and a Conte side flourish. So um, that's, that's, my, that's my hopes, and, um, and, and, that, and that's, that's what I'm praying for. And, and like Rich said there, with a couple of reinforcements in January, um, I see him kicking on, so I'm going to say top three. Well, Ricky, thanks so much for joining me this evening and tell everyone where they can uh, find you on social media and when is the panto starting and uh, where can people buy tickets? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah, you, you guys know where you can find me. You can find me on Twitter at, at Ricky J Norwood and then on Insta, it's official Ricky Norwood. Uh, panto starts 9th of December, run until the 31st. Uh, we're going to be at the Princess Theatre in Torquay. You can get your tickets at atgtickets.com. So come down. Tickets start from 12, 13 quid. So come down, enjoy, get your Christmas cheer on. Well, Rick, thanks so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure having you back. And Richard, uh, tell everyone where they can find you, what you're up to, and uh, when's the next marathon? Well, I'm definitely going to be at home for the next month. Well, definitely not running marathons anyway. I've done two in the last, like, four weeks, so my body's a bit knackered, so I need... Anybody that's in Nottingham wants to buy me a beer. Uh, I'll be in the local Witherspoons at especially 
uh, form stool that says Richard's drinks here because I'll be there all month. <laughs> no, I, um, yeah, so just, just training for next year. Uh, I'll be doing London again, but this time in April because it moves back to April next year. Um, I need to kind of just fix up a little bit and not just plod around the mouth and actually go for go for a time this time. And yeah, I'm supporting the my foundation, Richard Wilde Foundation, that, that provides a lot of great support for community initiatives for people with disabilities as well as disabled people as well. So I'm doing a lot of work uh, around disabled, uh, December and January for my foundation. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for coming back, Rich. And and John, it's been a pleasure having you back and tell everyone where they can find your new book, uh, how, how people can find it, uh, what it costs and what, what can people expect from it? Okay, thanks. Uh, yeah. yeah, thanks, Chris. Uh, <laughs> it, uh, as, as you can see, it's, uh, it's uh, a very big book, a very thick book as well. About four, it's over 400 pages. Uh, there is virtually a picture, a colour picture on virtually every page. Um, there's a profile on every single player that's played for it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and it's um, available from Legends Publishing and also on Amazon. And you can um, contact me on Lions Tottenham on Twitter if anyone wants to. And, um, yeah, so it's a great Christmas present for any discerning Spurs fan. Well, John, thanks so much for coming back. It's been a pleasure having you back on, particularly after talking about a win, uh, which, of course, we've all got a smile on our face because Tottenham Hotspur have won. Um, Ricky, Richard and John, thanks so much for your time and uh, thanks to everybody who has watched this and listened to it back. Um, I'll be back with another Spurs Chat podcast on Tuesday evening where I've got um, journalist George Sessions on from the Press Association where I'll be quizzing him about the January transfer window and, of course, reviewing Tottenham's season so far. Thanks for watching, everybody, and thanks for listening and thanks for all of your support. Until the next one, come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. Thank you. Prize Picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. How does it work? You pick two to six players, and if they score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. Didn't get your picks in before the game started? No problem. You can get in the game for the second half. Sign up today using promo code FOOTBALL and get your first deposit instantly matched up to $100. Go to prizepicks.com or download the mobile app and enter code FOOTBALL to get your deposit match. Some restrictions do apply. See the website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. 
Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.